Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. This episode is titled Bill Fishing Off of the Outer Banks, and I'm going to be talking with Captain Jay Cavanaugh of Bite Me Sport Fishing out of Hatteras, Hatteras Village, and we're going to be covering such topics as the when and the where, the techniques and lures, so a lot of meat and potatoes information about bill fishing off the Outer Banks. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community of North Carolina since 2003, bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools. And now in this latest and greatest chapter, the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast series, where we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share their thoughts, their insight, their knowledge on how to catch more fish more often. Albeit, I think the true goal isn't just more fish more often, but giving you encouragement, giving you knowledge, for you to grab your family and friends and to get out on the water, spending more time together more often. And I'm joined in this podcast endeavor in this episode, just as I am in every episode with podcast partner, Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Hey, Billy. What's going on, Gary? Good to see you, man. Hope you've been doing well since the last time I saw you. Uh, I have been doing well. I, I got to say, man, life is good. You know, fisherman's best life is good, I guess. Hey, well, you know what? When you're fishing on other captains' boats all day, using their gear, using their lures, and catching fish out of their fishing holes, how could life be bad? <laughs> I am such a good fisherman on other people's boats. I mean, I don't know if there's someone better at being a good fisherman on other people's boats than me. I think, I think I'm the Michael Jordan of that. Hey, you know what? No one would take me fishing on their boat. No one would give me a boat. So I just had to move to Puerto Rico where I can fish off the coast and hopefully catch some trophy fish but i was wondering when you were going to get the hint that's another day yeah right like just ran me out of town but here we are so man i'm excited uh to be back on the podcast with you gary and i'm really excited about our sponsors they're so generous uh to help us promote this podcast and to sponsor the podcast i want to go ahead and give a shout out to those guys uh here our first sponsor is ra hitch so um raleigh apex hitch they do trailers bike racks all kinds of stuff. If you're looking to, um, you know, gear out your your truck, or if you're going camping or fishing or whatever it is, uh, those guys will really take care of you. And then uh, our sponsors have been with us really early on as Marine Warehouse Center. I got a quick message from them, and then we'll be right back. At Marine Warehouse, we have everything. We have new boats, we have parts, we have accessories, new trailers. We have a complete service department with highly trained technicians. Anything you need to get out on the water, we have. It. At Marine Warehouse Center, as we've grown over the last few years, now have a large section of marine supplies from start to finish for all your boating needs. What I love about this region is to be able to get out on the water, and also we love to be able to get you out on the water. The best part of working at Marine Warehouse is being able to get involved with the customers and share a love for the water. All right, man. All right. We and love those guys, those guys. And those guys love the water. That's what I love about them. They're not just a bunch of lip service there. They're out there fishing. They're doing tournaments. They're doing everything. So it's awesome to to be in partnership with Marine Warehouse. It is. I mean, even if even if once a week I get a call from Terrell at you know crazy hours, <laughs> crazy times, and he's just so excited each week to tell me a new joke, and I can't believe he hasn't picked up on my lack of enthusiasm. But <laughs> I mean, maybe he, call, he doesn't care. Maybe he just doesn't care. Every week on the show, you call him out, and he still calls you. I love it. It's great. He still does. I mean, I wonder if he watches the show. I think Emmett does. I'm not sure about Terrell yet. 
But here we go. Are you ready for Terrell's Marine Warehouse's joke of the week? I'm ready, man. Let's this hear is, it. This is Terrell, not Gary Hurley. What do you call a fish with two legs? I don't know. A two-knee fish. Two-knee fish. That's pretty. Two-knee okay. fish. That's pretty clever. Not the funniest one. You have to one. say it three times. It can't be that clever. Toonie fish. Okay. Yeah. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Speaking of fish, Gary, you want to see a fish photo? I got one for you. Love fish photos. Here we go. This is definitely a better looking fish than your fish joke. It's a Scott Combs of Wilmington <laughs> with an eight and a half pound trigger fish that fell for a live pinfish who was fishing 48 miles off Wrightsville Beach. Gary, I know you've caught a lot of trigger fish in your life. Is that's a big trigger fish, eight and a half pounds? That seems huge. That is a big trigger fish, and I love trigger fish. I don't necessarily love cleaning trigger fish, but I love catching and eating trigger fish. And a point of clarification: that fish is better than Terrell's joke. That fish is not better than Gary's joke. Gary oh, didn't oh, just yeah. tell a joke. <laughs> My bad. Sorry, Gary. Okay. Terrell's joke. Point of point of clarification. All right. Um, we got some more business to take care of. Yeah, just a couple more things. One, uh, as always, if you want to support Gary and I as creators, feel free to go to buymeacoffee.com slash Fisherman's Post and buy Gary and I a cup of coffee. And then the second way, if you want to support the show, if you're a business owner and you want to sponsor the show, uh, we are open and have some more sponsor spots available. So if you want to do that, feel free to email me. It's billy at fishermanspost.com. And I will get you all the information and we'll see if you're a good fit for the show or a good fit for you, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, Gary, just wanted to do those two shout outs. Now I'm done. All right. Well, this is where I remind you that at the culmination of my talk with Captain Jay Cavanaugh of Bite Me Sport Fishing, I'm coming back to you for Billy's best takeaway. And I highly encourage you to pay attention. I have bill fished with Jay a number of times and I would describe him as both when it comes to bill fishing as both a scientist and an artist. And I think you'll see what I mean when we, when we wrap up this conversation with Jay. Well, I'm excited, man. You spoke very highly of him. So I'm super excited to hear what he has to say about bill fishing and I'm taking my notes. So we'll go from there. All right. Billy's best takeaway. But at this point, let's bring Captain Jay Cavanaugh onto the show. Captain Jay Cavanaugh, bite me sport fishing out of Hatteras, Hatteras Harbor Marina specifically. Welcome to the show. There we go. Yeah, man, I'm excited to talk to you, although I'm a little intimidated. I feel like I can hold my own with most fish conversations, but bill fishing might be sort of stretching my knowledge and experience. So I hope I don't come out of this episode looking the fool, but I'm looking forward to talk about bill fishing off of the Outer Banks. And as a reminder, we're talking about the when, where, techniques, and lures. But as is tradition on the podcast, Captain Jay, we have two questions before we get to the main event. Are you ready for your two questions? Oh, sure. Okay, good. I'm glad you are. Why, question number one, why should we listen to what anything you have to say about catching a billfish? Oh, man. Well, I've been doing this. Uh, I've been doing this for a living full time for a little over 20 years. Um, I, I think I have a pretty good following. I have the same people come back and fish with me every year. Um, we, uh, we catch fish most of the times. We've had some we've had some slow fishing here the last couple of weeks. It's been kind of tough, but uh, uh, the Bite Me has been the top boat in the Hatteras East West tournament 
which is a season long uh, tournament among charter boats and resident recreational boats uh, four times out of the last 20 years. So that's, um, that's something I'm pretty proud of, you know, to go up against, you know, uh, Creature and Rom and Buddy Hooper and Jim Bowman and everybody else. I mean, day in, day out and catch the most billfish in a season. That's something I'm personally proud of. And that was, that was one of my lifelong goals when I, when I started doing this, but uh, last couple of years, we've been going up to Oregon Inlet and fishing for the white Marlins a little bit. And that's, that's a lot of fun, but um, I don't know. I have an opinion, you know, like everybody else. And you know what they say about opinions. <laughs> I do. I do know what they say. Well, here, here's a uh, question number two and question number two, as is tradition is the non fishing related question. All right. And so we'll see how you do with this. This is basically trivia. Do you know where the phrase bite me originated? No, I do not actually. I have no idea. Well, I wouldn't either if I hadn't gone to Google and Google told me that it was the morning zoo, a radio morning show hosted by London and Engelman. And I don't, I think I've heard of the morning zoo, but I've never heard of London and Engelman. But Engelman wrote it into a skit. So there you go. The Morning Zoo, a radio morning show, is widely attributed. I mean, of course, someone might text in or message in and say you got it all wrong. Widely attributed as the origination of the phrase, bite me. But now let's go. Um, people want to know about fishing. People want to know about billfish. And I think they are very curious to hear what you have to say. So I have in my show notes, we're going to start it off with when. What do you got for us as far as when, when it comes to billfishing off the Outer Banks? First, let me give you a, a background on how the Bite Me name came about. Um, All right. So uh, my dad and I, many moons ago, we bought a old Seacraft 23, and we redid the whole thing, closing the transom, put a bracket on it. And he said, well, this boat, my dad said, this boat needs a name. And I said, what's the criteria? And he said, obnoxious and fishing related. And Bite Me popped into my head. I think check and check on the two categories. I think he did well. <laughs> And that was about uh, 1989, 1990, that, that time. That, that might be right around the morning, the morning zoo time. I mean, I didn't write down a year, but I feel like that's not far off. I think you were right on the heels. All right. Well, get me back on track. What are we talking about first? Um, we were, in my notes, we were going to talk about when first, about the when of okay. bill fishing off the Outer Banks. Well, um uh blue marlins start to show up off hatteras in may usually with the first dolphins although they a blue marlin has been caught out of hatteras every month of the year every calendar month of the year so you know it's possible to catch them anytime but we really start to target them about may and that's primarily blue marlins and big blue marlins you know in the four to six hundred pound range with uh, occasionally a bigger one um and we'll see blue marlins well all summer really but as we get in later in the summer in hatteras we'll start to see a mix of whites and sails and uh some good shots at a grand slam um i've caught grand slams in the month of june july and august and september so uh you know it's it's possible to catch a grand slam a blue marlin a white marlin and a sailfish you know several different months in hatteras um later on in the summer uh we start to see the bite develop up off of oregon inlet and depending upon how that goes i'll move the bite me up and fish out of pirates cove or oregon inlet fishing center 
uh, to target the white, primarily white marlins up the north, off of the northeast of of, uh, of Oregon Inlet, and uh, also some some blue marlins up there too, and some sails. We actually caught a slam, a grand slam up there, um, and the biggest blue marlin I ever caught in my life was up off of Oregon Inlet. So uh, that's pretty much the rundown as far as the calendar, how things shake out, and and what we choose to target when. All right, I'm going to ask a couple of follow-up questions. So okay. if I were to say, all right, somebody new watching this goes, man, I want to fish with this dude. Give me the top two months for Blue Marlin. If you, if I had to uh, nail man, you down to two months. May and June huh? in Hatteras. Top two months for sailfish off Outer Banks, off Hatteras. I would say July and August. And if I'm saying top two months for White Marlin, are we now saying White Marlin Oregon Inlet, or does that question apply to Hatteras as well? Well, um, although we have not had a good white marlin bite out of Hatteras the last couple years, uh, we can have good white marlin bites off of Hatteras if we have the right water, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I would say, if you want to target white marlin, I would say September out of Oregon Inlet. Okay. All right. So then we said, we guess we're going to talk about where. So I guess we're going to start talking about conditions as well as the where. Is that correct? Sure. All right. What do you got? Um, well, uh, our best bill fishing off of Hatteras occurs when we have a Gulf Stream eddy. Um, and I meant to bring up a picture of one earlier and I, I did not. But um, we look at the satellite shot of the thermal imagery of the Gulf Stream, and you'll see where the current goes out and an eddy develops off the inside, the western edge of the Gulf Stream. And what that'll do is that will concentrate the fish, the bait fish, the marlin, the game fish, everything. Um, so when we go out there and we see no current, which we're actually having down current, but the whole mess, the whole eddy is moving to the northeast. And that, that's, I know I'm saying a lot there, but when we, basically when we have no current, we know that that could possibly be good bill fishing. And I'm talking about no current in the right bottom, like uh, in the 50 to 150 fathom range. Okay. So again, I'm. this is a challenging topic for me. So first off, when you see an eddy, when you see something that gets you excited, are you seeing a couple of eddies or is it really just one prominent eddy? And then how big, how, how much scope does that cover? Well, uh, these eddies are really big. I mean, they could be like 50 miles across or even more, uh, both northeast, southwest and southeast, northwest. Um, and there may be two eddies, but we won't have access but to one. You know, often we'll see two eddies on the on the uh, on the shot, but maybe we're fishing in one, and the Moorhead and the Wilmington fleet is fishing in the other. But but yeah, so we will target pretty much one eddy at a time. And if you would please explain just a little bit more about how no current, because I'm I think I'm approaching it from like a river perspective where sure. there's eddies in the river and you have current that creates the eddies but you were inclined i think you told me with no current that's actually a, a good situation yeah well it is an eddy it's the gulf stream is a river with no banks just about um so it can move in and out and and, and an eddy spins off of it just like it does in a river 
And uh, so, yeah, it's the same concept, except it's a hundred, a thousand times bigger. So that's not that there's no current in the Gulf Stream, which constantly has its current, but it's inside of the Gulf Stream. If you have no current, then that eddy can form and it can hang out and it can, you know, maintain its integrity. Is that what we're talking about? That's right. Well, the current is actually going uh, southwest where the, and the whole Gulf Stream is moving to the northeast. But when you get out there and you sit over the spot, you have no current, but essentially you have down current, but the whole body of water is moving to the northeast, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, man. I think, I, I mean, I'm, I, I think I'm following along. Good. And I, I don't want to belabor it, but I wanted to see if I was following yeah, good. Sure, sure. All right. So what, I mean, I'm, where does this conversation go? Like what other factors are you looking for or what, what else helps makes up bite me's mind about a day's plan? Uh, well, we look for, you know, clues as to just like how much life is in the area. We'll look for birds. We'll look for bait fish on the top. We'll look for dolphins, you know, because, uh, blue Marlins eat a lot of dolphins and, uh, that time of year when we're catching, you know, good sized gaffers, a lot of them will have bill marks in them where they something tried to eat them and likely it was a blue Marlin, but, uh, you know, and it's a, it's a calendar thing, you know, uh, that late May, early June, you know, the big rock is the, in the second week of June. So that's a good time of year. <laughs> they have that tournament at the right time. And is it, uh, dependent on like water temperature or water temperature variation? Again, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not asking good questions. Oh, sure, I, I'm, sure. Well, that, that eddy will typically be cooler water than outstream, outside in the Gulf Stream. And that's a good way you can see it on the, uh, on the satellite shot is like the, the current will be dark red and the eddy itself will be like an orangish yellow. And you'll see, you can actually see like the, the water swirling around in it. But, uh, you know, and some people have superstitions. Uh, one of my mentors, uh, Captain Fred Parsons, who ran the citation for many years out of Hatteras, he always said 77.7 was the magic number. All right. That's easy to remember. I mean, I could see how that would catch on. And then for those that aren't that familiar with Hatteras, a typical run is how far out of Hatteras Inlet? Well, that's one of the great things about fishing out of Hatteras is we have a hundred fathoms of water. That's 600 feet deep uh, inside of 26 miles, 25 miles. So we're typically running 24 to 25 miles to get to good water. And just about anywhere you want to fish up or down the line is a reasonable run, you know, depending upon where you need to go and what you need to set the water. But, um, you know, fishing for fishing for Marlin is just like any other fishing. It's, it's structurally oriented. It's just the structure is deeper. You know, you're looking for the right water over the right bottom at, you know, 50 to 150 fathoms or even deeper, you know, particularly, um, in May, you know, I've seen killer bites go on 200, 250, 500 fathoms. Okay. So there are some spots, um, some of the more known bottoms that I guess would be on the charts and that would be a good, I mean, again, I hope people see this and they pick sure. up the phone and book a trip with you. But if someone says, man, I might want to try to employ some of this information myself, any chart, you know, some of the more popular bottoms, always a good place to start, of course, making yeah. your observations as you're running out there. Um, well, some of the good spots that we like to fish is, uh, well, we call it right out front, right behind the rock pile. Everybody calls that the old hole. 
And, uh, you know, if I don't know where to go, that's where I'll start and just see what happens. And that way, if I need to go up behind the tower, behind the rocks, as they call it, uh, that would be behind the 230 rock and the 280 rock uh, up to the east around the tower or down south, the triple zeros or below. But generally, we're going to fish in that 50 to 150 fathom range. Um, and depending upon what I see behind the rock pile in the old hole, you know, if there's no current there and I hear reports of no current up behind the rocks, I love to go up there because it's not often that you get the right current. And I've seen some killer bites happen up there behind the rock pile. I've watched a couple uh, big rock winning fish get caught up there behind the tower. And that, you know, that's pretty cool. Well, let's, uh, let's move, let's transition into a little bit of like the what and how, and I guess like, I mean, I, I know that blue Marlin have a special spot, you know, in for you and they do with me fishing with you. I mean, you're responsible for my two blue Marlin, you know, so when you're, let's, let's, let's start with blue Marlin spread. I guess that's the way to do it. Like, okay. tell me about your spread or tell me about your technique or your plan when you get to where you, where you like it. Well, um, you know, uh, Something pretty significant happened a couple, well, it's probably been about 10 years ago now, that the National Marine Fisheries Service regulated tournaments that they had to fish circle hooks with ballyhoos. So that changed a lot of the fishing for, for tournaments particularly. And, uh, and we don't always fish tournament legal because we don't have to. We do choose to sometimes, but anyway, we still fish a lot of J-hooks. And primarily that's because we're also looking to catch dolphin and wahoos and anything else that bites and we're more likely to catch them on a j-hook so we still fish a lot of j-hooks when we're uh regular tournament fishing with ballyhoo but uh i brought some lures with me today um there's all kinds of information on youtube about rigging and uh other stuff so i'm not going to go into a lot of specifics i'm just going to kind of give a broad overview of some of my favorite lures um i like it probably what I've caught more blue marlins on in my career is this thing right here. And we all, we have affectionate nicknames for every one of them. And this one is Pinky. So we have some people that listen to the podcast and don't watch it. So give a quick, you know, you don't have to go into detail either, but a quick description of Pinky. Okay. This is a big square head Islander lure uh, made by Island Lure Company, uh, C&H Tackle. And there's two head styles we use, a pro and an express. A pro has a solid head, an express has a vented head, and it will be rigged on heavy leader with a 7731 must-add hook and a uh, large ballyhoo, either a select or a horse. And that hook and the ballyhoo is going to be same on most of these lures that I'm showing you. And what is it about Pinky that you most like? I don't know. Everybody loves Pinky. Um, and Pinky, usually we run Pinky on a short rigger close to a teaser. Okay. Um, and here's the good old favorite, the old blue and white Hawaiian eye. And this is a cone head. This one has a blue head, but they also make them with all kinds of different color heads. The chrome head is popular. Uh, and again, this is a good traditional lore for as counted for a lot of blue marlin. Where do you usually um, run that in the spread? Shotgun or uh, maybe a long rigger. Okay. 
And here, here's my two starting lineups for usually my shotgun. Um, this again is a Island Lore Pro. It's the solid head. I'm not getting a very good picture of it. Um, let me put down the other one. So this is blue and black, and we call him Bruiser. All right. And we sub out Bruiser with LeBron. <laughs> this is a blue-headed red and black. And of course, right. LeBron starts at center. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we pull some, uh, you know, particularly when we're looking for, particularly when we're looking for some dolphin also, we'll pull uh, some medium ballyhoos. And uh, this is basically uh, a little bruiser. This is a sailor, and this one happens to be rigged on 10 wire in case we get a two okay. critter bite. But this will have a medium ballyhoo. And again, a 7731 hook. And then we have the same version of Pinky, Little Pinky. Okay. So, and one more. how about. Oh, no. All right. Good. Go ahead. Uh, one no, more. No, man, I want to. Uh, Ballyhoo Lord to show you. This is a, a Islander Junior. It's basically a little Hawaiian eye. And I love it when they lose their eye. They get more bites when they're all ragged and beat up. And these uh shorter, these uh smaller versions would go where on the spread? Uh long rigger usually. Long shotgun, maybe. Well, that was sort of what I didn't know you had one more to show. And so the question I was sort of working my way to was, you know, um, so why don't you do two things? Like, what is the typical, you know, typical, I know you it changes, but the typical bite me spread, if you would walk us through a, a, a first round bite me spread to start the day. And then, okay. you know, for those that can't pull as many lines as you successfully, again, someone who's seeing this that might say, you know, I, I can pull off seven, maybe six, and then maybe, you know, give them, give us the shorter version. Okay. Well, and generally bill fishing, I like fewer lines. Um, okay. I will pull six or seven and sometimes up when we're white marlin fishing four lines. Um, but yeah, so don't think you got to pull a lot of lines. I will pull flat lines. I usually have uh, a big, big artificial plug on one flat line and maybe a naked ballyhoo on another line. And if we're starting to see some, some more whites and sails around, that'll be a small naked ballyhoo. If it's, we're still typically seeing blue marlin, it will be a medium or a large ballyhoo, maybe even a, a rig Spanish mackerel. Um, short riggers will be pinky on one side and probably bruiser on the other. And long riggers would be those uh, medium baits, like a Sailor or a Islander Junior, and then uh, something big on my on my shotgun. Um, and teasers, we'll uh, let's talk teasers. We'll uh, typically in the spring, in May and June, I'll pull uh, a squid chain, which I did not bring a squid chain, but if you want to look it up on on YouTube, there's a, a million videos on squid chain construction. So we'll pull a squid chain and we'll pull uh, something with some meat on the back of it, either uh, an express or Hawaiian eye with uh, a ballyhoo or a Spanish mackerel on the back of the chain. And typically on the other side, I'll pull a big plug. This is my favorite right here. This is a black Bart breakfast. And if you can see this close, this one is beat to hell <laughs> from blue marlins and everything else eating it. 
And and, and so, yeah. Where do those teasers go in your spread? I mean, people love specifics, and so you would okay. set them um, out. And this is the extreme breakfast, uh, bigger version of that. Okay. So I'll pull the earlier in the season. I'll pull my spreaders inside my flat lines. So we put the flat lines in the first bit of clear water behind the boat, and I will pull those teasers inside the flat lines. Later on in the season. I'll move the teasers back and sometimes we'll even eliminate the short riggers and just pull teasers in our short rigger positions. Um, we do a lot of bait and switching off of the teasers. Uh, so we'll have a pitch bait rigged, um, uh, usually a, a dink bait, a small ballyhoo pitch bait, as well as uh, a big pitch bait, either a, a horse ballyhoo or a Spanish mackerel uh, rigged for a blue marlin. For a, for a, pit, for so a why, teaser pitch bait. So why is it that you start the season with that teaser before the flat line and then move it back? It just seems that the fish are more aggressive and uh, it seems like we get a lot better shots closer to the boat early in the season like that. They're just more right. aggressive, I guess. And then you're, uh, I, the question I meant to ask before, when you're putting back your long line, how far back you putting that? not um let's see my long riggers are probably maybe you can see them good you you, you want to be able to see them um okay you know the, the key to catching a billfish is beating him to the rod and so you want to be able to see those baits so they're not that far back okay maybe 200 um, feet at the middle so i guess uh if there's anything else to share about the spread, then this is, let me know some more insights on the spread. Otherwise, then maybe you go to tell me about what to think about once you start pulling them around. Um, no, I think we pretty much covered the spread. We, we generally troll uh, between six and a half and seven and a half knots with ballyhoos. Um, we'll troll uh, faster than that when we're pulling artificials, which we haven't talked about that yet. But, um, I can go into that a little bit now, if you like, or how'd, how'd you want to? Yeah, man. No, let's do All that. Right, well, let's, talk, let's talk lures. Like I said uh, at the beginning, uh, that rule change in tournament fishing really changed the way that people fish for billfish. Uh, there's been a lot more artificial uh, fishing, particularly in tournaments. And I think about everybody now is fishing the early season tournaments with strictly artificials. Um, and the big difference there is you can use a J hook. You don't have to use a circle hook. So, uh, so we have started to lure fish some and we've had some success with it. It's not my favorite kind of fishing. I like fishing with bait with a slower troll and having a, a more precise shot at them. Uh, I think uh, lure fishing is more snag and drag you know you gotta get i mean there's some certainly some technique to it but it's a lot more uh the fish hooks himself with the boat kind of thing but i brought some lures uh, this is a uh what is this this is a marlin magic from hawaii and we'll rig it with a, a single some with a single some with a double and these lures are are uh designed to be pulled a little faster like uh, seven and a half knots and up, you know, all the way up okay. to ridiculous speeds of like 15 knots. 
and and people oh, wow. pull various speeds. Um, this is one of my favorite lures. This is a Bonds here for the party, and I've caught everything on this thing. Everything that swims out there. Wait, what's the name? It's a Bonds. Is the brand here for the party? And uh, right. my good buddy is, is the American owner of Bonds Lures. Right on. And these two are uh, Black Barts. This is a mini 1656. It's a little chugger head. And again, it's rigged with a single hook. And this one's been whacked a couple times. It's got some scratches on it. And this is the Abaco Prowler. This is a, a Black Bart jet head. You can see the little holes in the head that make a yeah. wicked bubble trail. And this one happens to be rigged with a double hook. And so that's uh you know that's another way to fish for them is and and again you don't have to pull a lot of them most people pull five lures and uh you know it's it's a good technique because you cover more ground going a little faster and uh you know sometimes that's the way to do it also so in one of your comments uh, i wanted to follow back on like the game is being beating the fish to the rod so maybe maybe expand on that because i I love that concept and I know that's a big part of it, not just bringing them into the spread, but actually, you know, getting the bite. So what, maybe yeah. walk us through some of the, the bite me thoughts about getting the bite. Well, um, certainly there's a technique to hooking them and with J hooks and with circle hooks, fish and ballyhoo, you, you, you want to drop back to them. Um, some people just uh, give them a little rod tip where they hold the rod up high and the fish strikes it and they drop the rod back and then set the hook. And some people, uh, you know, some people feed them a long time, um, and and somewhere in between. But you want to beat the, you want to beat the fish to the rod, and you do not want to free spool it until the fish takes it. When I'm hooking a blue marlin, on a, on a ballyhoo, I mean, I'll put my thumbs on the lure, and he literally has to smoke my or the thumbs on the reel, and he literally has to smoke my thumbs before I I let the free spool happen. And why is that? Why is that technique you well, found effective? It's because the way they eat, they uh, like pretend my hand is a ballyhoo. They'll grab the bait fish like this, and then it takes them a second to turn that fish so they can eat it, and they have to get it down their throat before you can set before you can hook them. And that being said, too, we hook a lot of them. You know, we we say we joke that Rodney's our best angler on the boat. That's our rod holders. Rodney Rod Holder. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I, I see that play out in all kinds of fishing from Red Drum, you know, uh, apparently yeah. to Blue Marlin. That's great. Rodney's our best angler by far. All right. Now, after the bite, we are pulling drag or drag is screaming. And then what happens back there on the back of the boat? Well, uh, typically when I hook a Blue Marlin on heavy tackle, we're going to turn the clicker on. And uh, that does a couple things. That tells me whether the fish is taking line or the angler's gaining line and uh, whether I need to, to go after the fish. So let me, let me slow down a little bit. First, we, sh we clear everything. We uh, will we'll reel everything in so everything's out of the way so we can go after the fish, so we can back down on the fish. Um, so we will be aggressive 
with the boat without being unsafe. And, uh, you know, we'll try to get the fish to leader as, uh, as soon as we possibly can because we're releasing 99.9% .9 of these fish. And we want them to be released in a healthy manner to, to fight again. And so what is some of the boat manipulation that you can do that helps a speedy release as opposed to a drawn out battle? Well, uh, you know, when the fish is on top and you've got a good angler that can crank fast, you, you back up fast. When the fish is down deep, you just kind of got to wait them out until they come up and to where they can, uh, to where the mate can get the leader. What are some of the mistakes that you see that people make? Uh, I see a lot of anglers wear themselves out way too quick. You know, the fish is taking a line and they're just cranking to beat the band and, uh, and they're not doing anything but wearing themselves out. It's, and it, it doesn't require a lot of strength, even with heavy tackle. Um, it's more of a finesse, you know, even on an 80, you're only fighting 20 to 30 pounds of drag. So, you know, you're not fighting a lot of force. Um, you know, use the harness properly. Let the harness do the work. Um, don't wear yourself out. And uh, I was trying to think of what else, but I mean, I, that's good. It's so the things to do right, the things to avoid doing wrong. And then how about uh, then as far as your release goes, I mean, of course, grabbing the leader. Is there any technique there that you guys employ to make that happen as swift and as clean no, as possible? Uh, you know, just be safe. It's, uh, you know, that's a big critter you're, you're wrestling with. And, uh, I had a mate one time, we had a little 200 pound blue marlin and he reached down there to grab its bill to take the hook out. And the thing bucked and caught his glasses right here and left. He still has a big scar right across his eyebrow. And that thing was inches from, uh, you know, making him blind in one eye and possibly worse. Um, but just be real careful with them. Uh, unless it's, unless it's a super easy situation, I don't typically try to get the hooks out. We just try to pull him up there and cut the leader as short as possible. Let everybody get a look at him and cut the leader as short as possible. Uh, the hooks we use are very high carbon steel and they will rust out of that fish in no time. And particularly the circle hooks that we use are even higher carbon steel and Studies have shown that they're gone out of the fish in a week. Man, uh, how does this conversation about spread or fishing techniques change at all if we're not targeting blue marlin, if we're targeting whites or sails? Well, um, we'll, we'll put out more small ballyhoos, uh, naked small ballyhoos with circle hooks and uh, fewer big baits. A lot of times white marlin fishing, we won't even have a big bait in the water we'll have a big pitch bait and uh we had a really cool day with you uh up off Oregon Inlet where we uh uh my mate Catlin at the time pitched uh on our 50 on our brand new 50 pitch that had never caught a blue marlin with our pitch bait and uh you did a great job angling and that's that's one of the funnest blue marlins I've ever had a privilege of catching man I mean, I've, I don't usually talk too much in these episodes, but I mean, Blue Marlin just get you juiced up. And I, the quick of it, I would say, is the two with you I love for different reasons. The first one was more the battle, the aerial show, like coming at the boat and turning last minute and all over out of the water. And then the second one, it was more 
the drama of the bite, you know, showing and checking out a bait and then disappearing and then showing and checking out a different bait and just the unfolding drama of, you know, is this thing finally going to bite? And it did. And so both those memories are etched forever of blue Marlin on bite me. Well, this might be a good way for me to say the, this is me wrapping up a little bit. So what about just anything that you might share that you've learned about blue Marlin, white Marlin, sailfish, blue billfish in general, that, you know, even a, even a pretty good angler just might not know about billfish, anything that you've sort of picked up through the years that is of interest. Well, the thing is, if, if you want to catch billfish, you got to fish for them. You got to, you got to be in the right place at the right time. Um, I mean, you could catch a blue, you catch a blue marlin anywhere. There was one hooked in Hatteras in a hundred feet of water the other day. But um, if that's what you're going to target, put in your time in the right place. You know, that's, that's, that's what I would say. Okay. And then, uh, you know, bite me sport fishing is, is all about bill fishing, but certainly you're more than bill fishing. So how about walking me through the fishing calendar about what bite me likes to target throughout the calendar in addition to billfish? Sure. Um, we have great fishing all year in Hatteras, really. We're, we are blessed. Um, we'll typically get going um, oh, middle of March, uh, and we'll be targeting yellowfin and blackfin tuna uh, in, early Mar- in mid to late March and uh, April. And then as May rolls around, we'll start to target more dolphin. There still might be some tuna around. Uh, we sometimes have a good run of uh, spring wahoo, and I, we caught a couple this year, caught a few this year. Uh, then as we work into May and June, you know, again, that's when the big blue marlin are around, as well as good numbers of dolphin. So, you know, don't think that uh, we're not going to catch any meat fish. I've had days where we've caught you know, one out of a couple shots of blue marlin and a box full of gaffers, gaffer dolphin at the same time. Um, Later on in the summer, we'll see our our Baylor dolphin show up. That's our smaller schoolie sized dolphin. And to me, that's the best eaten dolphin that we catch are the, you know, three to five pounders that are in schools. And that action is really cool. And it's really good for families and kids because it's a fish they can catch. They're usually plentiful. They can see the fish in the water. It's really a, a cool experience. Uh, late in the summer, too, off of Hatteras, we'll see some whites and sails hopefully make an appearance um, and an occasional wahoo. Uh, then we usually head up to Oregon Inlet for a little bit of time to target the white marlin, uh, but also there's dolphin and tuna around and blue marlins and white marlins and sails. But you know, uh, we're going up there to, to fish for billfish. That's that's our top priority. And then we'll come back uh, sometimes in September, and that's when our wahoo fishing kicks off in the fall. And uh, we have a pretty good wahoo bite. We're able to target wahoo almost exclusively, and uh, we can have some pretty, pretty good fishing for wahoo in uh, late September, October. And then later on in the fall, October, November, we'll start to see some more tunas and the wahoos might stick around. And uh, we do a little live bait king macro fishing too, if people are into it. Well, I am going to finish by doing a little bit of salesmanship for you. I am going to say <laughs> that, sure, you've shared some great information, 
But if someone's serious about bill fishing, they should book you. They should get on your boat and they should see it and play. They should see the spread and see how you do everything. I mean, I can't imagine a better learning curve. And I'm going to go ahead and help people out because this is one thing that impressed me fishing with you every year. And it's a question that I use. So I'm going to go ahead and give people this question if they decide to fish with you. And that is to go to the mate or to go to you and say, so what have you tweaked from your billfish spread from last year? What are the small changes you've made? Because that was one of the more impressive experiences for me. And I'm, I'm going more to the mate cat days where, you know, the attention to detail and the little tweaks to give every increase in probability of a hook set, you know, was just impressive to me when it came to the big game fun of big, you know, big blue marlin or whites and sales. And so that's, that's my sales pitch for you, Jay. Well, thank you, man. Uh, thank you very much, Jay. Um, I appreciate it. And you know, anytime I get to talk with you, man, I, I enjoy my time. Yes, sir. Me too. Have a good night, Jay. All right. You too. Billy. All right, Gary, what's up, man? What a great episode. If there's someone more challenged for a billfish comp conversation than me it's, <laughs> it's billy thorpe of thorpe creative yeah i mean i think i've seen a billfish out in the wild uh twice potentially <laughs> all right so well, what about this podcast what about jay's conversation yeah, billy's man. best takeaway you know what i pulled a couple quotes actually from captain jay one is everyone loves pinky <laughs> i just thought that was pretty <laughs> funny and uh yeah what a good way to remember a bait everyone loves pinky and then here's another one that says the key to catching a billfish is beating it to the rod so i, I was like all right man i get it i like quotes and so i'm gonna save those in my phone and the next time i'm out bill fishing i'm gonna remember i gotta beat that thing to the rod You've just uh, sparked my memory. Another thing that impresses me every time I fish with Bite Me is no matter who the mate is, is I have zero chance of seeing the fish in the spread before the mate does, like zero chance. And in fact, not only do I have zero chance of seeing it before the mate, but even when the mate tells me short rigger, sh short left rigger, even when he tells me where to look, even then it takes me a few seconds to focus in and go, oh yeah, I see it now. So yeah. I am always impressed by the mate's ability ability to manage their spread and see what's happening back there yeah it's kind of crazy it's like the that fish is the size of a school bus and you can't see it <laughs> <laughs> you're right it's like until you see it and then you can't unsee it it's amazing like that yeah that's pretty what amazing do, man what do we got let's say let's uh do another thank you to our sponsors yeah absolutely well i want to thank you to uh, ra hitch and then a big thank you to marine warehouse center uh, literally for supporting our show since the beginning and uh, if it wasn't for those guys we wouldn't be sitting here so we really appreciate them and go support them go go buy a boat from them that's the biggest way to support them or go buy other stuff like boat accessories but that's boring go buy a boat <laughs> they'll appreciate it either in wilmington north carolina or in the charleston area as well you can go support those guys so they support us they support you as anglers so go support them and I'll tell you what, man, R.A. Hitch, I mean, go get yourself a luggage rack. Who couldn't use a luggage rack to mount up on top of the vehicle? Or who couldn't use another one to mount up there? Or I'm, I'm going to head to R.A. Hitch and get a luggage rack for the top of the vehicle, trying to travel around with three grown boys. <laughs> yeah, dude, you need it. You probably just need it for additional I groceries. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, oh, we filled up the bag. Now start putting it on top of the car for Sam's Club run. 
<laughs> oh my God, that would give me anxiety if we needed a luggage rack just a grocery shop for those three grown boys. Holy cow. <laughs> Philly has been fun. It's been great, man. It's been great. Thank you so much, Gary. Thank you for everyone for listening and watching. If you're watching, if you're listening, be sure if you're, watch, you're listening on um, Apple to hit the follow button. They've changed that so it's not auto-downloading. You have to select it if you want it to download. Uh, so be sure to do that so you don't miss an episode. And Gary, we'll see you in the next one, man. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Fisherman's-